Welcome to the Joey Miller Podcast. I'm Pastor Joey Miller from Champion Christian Center, and I am so happy that you tuned in with us today. We have so much to talk about out of God's Word, and you are going to be blessed. But let me just remind you, before we jump in, don't forget to check out joeymiller.co for all sorts of resources, from merch to Bible studies to podcast notes to blogs. You will be blessed, so check it out today. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. If you're enjoying it and you want to share it with a friend, a great way to let us know is to like it, to share it, and to subscribe. So make sure you do that as well. Well, let's get into the Word together. Tonight, I want to share a message with you on, uh, it's, it's actually called the 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 grace in gratitude, the grace in gratitude. And we're diving into November, which is my very, very favorite month because it's all about giving thanks. And, um, you know, we just came into a season. My, my son, I almost said my husband got married. My, my son, <laughs> uh, my oldest son got married October 28th. So it felt like everything in our year was like going towards this one date of October 28th, and, and then it came and went, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like Thanksgiving. There's more to the year now. We get to enjoy the holidays, and there's something just so beautiful about gratitude. In fact, um, as I was driving to the rehearsal dinner, or to the rehearsal place the day, of, the, the day before the wedding, I was taking all the things, and I was just by myself in the car, and uh, I just started to just a cry, and I'm not a crier. How many of you know I'm not a crier? I'm gonna have to take my earring out. I don't. Why can other women wear earrings and preach, and I can't? This is like my lot. <laughs> but but so as I was, don't mind me. As I was driving uh, to the reception hall, I started to cry, and then I show up, and I walk in, and there's these wonderful women at the at the event center, and I walk in, and I just burst into tears, and they're like, oh my gosh, like, uh, like they didn't know what to do with me, do you know what I mean? I look like that crazy person, and so which I started to explain through my tears, I'm not a crier, I'm not a crier, I don't know what's right, and, and what was going on with me wasn't the fact that I was sad, I was actually overwhelmed with gratitude uh, to the point where I couldn't hold it in anymore, and the worship team couldn't have confirmed more my message. We didn't talk. Mel and I didn't talk about uh, what songs they were going to choose before, but, but just songs focused on gratitude. And it's in those moments that you feel like all I have is a hallelujah. Not because things are so bad, but even when things are just so overwhelmingly good that I have nothing else to say but to return my hallelujah back to the Lord. So I was trying to explain to them, like, I really like my future daughter-in-law. Like, this is all good. This is like, this is, I felt like I had to explain everything to them. And um, I was thinking about that because the night before, can I, can I talk about like some of my wedding stuff? I haven't seen you all for like a month, over a month. So uh, we have a lot to catch up on. Um, so uh, what I did was the night before the wedding, I, I wrote, I went out and bought wedding cards. I bought one for my future daughter-in-law and one for my son. And I uh, took a moment and I wrote in my daughter-in-law's just everything I wanted to say to her. And I, I wrapped up a family heirloom and I gave it to her. And then in my, in my son's card, I left for him the day at the morning of his wedding day. I left it on his dresser. And, and I wrote in it. And as I was writing in it, I was just overwhelmed with gratitude uh, of his life. And, and I wrote words in it like, like Evan 
um, you know, you were our firstborn. I had you when I was 22 years old. And in some ways, you got the best version of me because I was, like, young and excited. And, and in some ways, uh, you got the worst version of me because I was young. You know what I mean? And, and you probably got one too many spankings because I was young. And, and, and you know, just thinking about, and I wrote, um, you know, out of the 24 years that, that your father and I have been married, you, you have been a part of 21 of those years that, that we've had together. And, and just thinking about that nobody can appreciate the victories like he can with us. Uh, nobody's gone through things like he has with us. Even though he's our son, he's been with us through life's ups and downs. He's been through uh, when we had nothing, when it was like exciting to be able to get a soda, not because it was healthy. Yes, you know, we tried to be healthy, but because we couldn't afford like soda in our house. Like, so, so he's coming from a different perspective. He's seen the highs and the lows. And there's something that bonds us because of that. And think about that in your relationship with the Lord, that nobody knows like he knows. Nobody has seen your past. Nobody has seen your heartache. Nobody has experienced your breakthrough. Nobody is as excited about your future as the Lord is because there's a certain bond that you have connected to him because he's had some history with you. Amen? He's been through it with you. He's seen the times uh, when you were crying. He's seen you in exuberant joy. Uh, and there's something about gratitude that just overflows from our lives. And so I want to talk to you about that tonight, the grace and gratitude, the grace and gratitude. And there's actually a term for that word, the grace that's found and released through gratitude. I'm going to be reading 1 Thessalonians 5, but the word that I want you to remember from tonight, it's called, it's the Latin word, and it's, it's gratia, gratia. And it actually uh, the, the word gratitude in Latin actually also means grace. Think about it, if you say grace over your meal or you bless your food, what are you doing? You're giving thanks to it. So we see from the very origins of the word that, that gratitude and grace go hand in hand. And oftentimes the grace that's upon our lives, that the thankfulness compels us to gratitude, but also there's a cycle of gratitude, then releasing a fresh grace upon our lives. So think about that. Grace, the grace of God. Thank God that I wake up today. Thank God I have breath in my lungs. Thank God uh, that I'm here compels me to thanksgiving and to give thanks. But as I give thanks, then there's a dispensation of grace. So think of it as a working cycle or circle in your life. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to read 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. I'm going to actually be reading out of the Amplified Version. It says, Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances are, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. He goes on and he talks about gratitude being the perfect will of God for you in every situation. If you're wondering, what do I do? You start to give thanks. 
In fact, I've made it such a habit and a way of living that now it just it, throughout the day, it's not, uh, it's not strange to hear me saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's just an overflow out of my heart because as Paul says, it doesn't matter the circumstance that you're in, that it's always good to give thanks. It's always good to release a gratitude back unto him. In fact, uh, in this verse, it's actually, uh, it's more of a verb that he's talking about than just like uh, staying in one place and, and living with an attitude of gratitude, which is good. But it's actually more of a compelling word here that says it, it starts that cycle, that lifestyle that we live of giving thanks back to God. So I want to talk to you about some things tonight that gratitude does in our lives, that the grace that is released through gratitude does and the effects that it has on our lives. Because it's, it's a lifestyle that God wants us to become accustomed to as Christians. Actually, gratitude, I believe, is the single most important key uh, to living a life of victory as a Christian. That we think, oh, that's cute, like uh, grateful. You know, everyone has that above their farmhouse table these days. Like grateful, blessed, you know, so thankful. No, gratitude is a spiritual force. It's a spiritual weapon. It's a spiritual key that if you actually learn to tap into, then you'll see victory in every situation. That it doesn't matter the circumstance, Paul is saying, you can have overwhelming victory through your gratitude because of the grace of God that's released upon your life in those situations. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about that grace that is dispersed. And one of the things that gratitude does is the grace of, of gratitude, it causes us a release to happen in our lives. It, it causes us to release some things that would like to keep us stuck in a place of complaining, stuck in a place of uh, woe is me, pity, not moving on, stuck in just life in general. That if, that if we hold on to something for too long, uh, then, then we get stuck in that place. And I'll give you the example because I was talking about my son. Uh, if you have grown children, you know that letting go is very hard. All of your life, you're training them and, and you're keeping them close. And, 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 and basically, it's a process of starting to let go of them. But it was amazing to me the, transa the transition that happened between the night that my son had his rehearsal dinner to his wedding day. And I just speak out of my life experiences. So, uh, so you can, if you don't have little kids, just take notes and just say, Lord, please don't let me be a psychotic person uh, like my pastor is. So, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was thinking and, and I kept saying, okay, this is the last time he's going to take out the garbage. This is the last time that I'm going to be able to kiss him goodnight in his own bed. This is the last time. This is the last time. This is the last time. And, and I was holding on so tight. And, and it was actually causing me uh, to get into a little bit of a funk. Has anyone ever caused their own funk? Okay, we could be real, right? So you wouldn't like me if I was like, oh, I never dealt with any of that. Like, who are you? Like, uh, no. I, 
I was starting to get into a funk, and I was starting to get sad, and I was like, you know what, and, and I would tell my husband, I would be like, you know what, I really love him, but I don't want him to go, I don't want him to leave the house, like, and I would, I would start to make little comments, like, you know, you don't have to get married, like, we have the deposit, like, we love Ellie, you can wait another year, like, and everything in me was wanting to hold on to him. And everything in me was wanting to cling to the past. And I, and I would torture myself. I would go walk around his room, and I would look at, like, pictures, and I would just uh, make myself cry, not in a grateful way, but in a sad way in that particular moment. And I was tormenting myself. And I wasn't embracing the grace for the new season. I, instead of being grateful in uh, in thanking God that he was an amazing man of God and he found an amazing Christian woman and uh, instead of all of that I was trying to hold on and one of the graces that's released through gratitude is giving us the ability to discern and let go and step into a new season of grace but we can be really really stubborn about it we can make a, a willful decision not to embrace the grace that is there for us in the new season, in the next step. I want to read a story in a book to you about a woman who just decided that she wasn't going to let go. It's about Queen Victoria. And it goes on, and it says that Queen, uh, Queen Victoria, on Fe February 10th, 1840, she married Augustus Charles Emmanuel, and she proposed to him uh, five days after his arrival at Windsor Castle. So she proposed to him five days after his arrival. And she went on, and she, put her, her she wrote in her diary about her wedding day. She said, I never, never spent such an evening. My dearest, dear Albert, his excessive love and affection gave me feelings of heavenly love and happiness I never could have hoped to have or felt before. He clasped me in his arms, and we kissed each other again and again. Okay, I'm not going to get to, don't worry, it's rated, it's rated G. His beauty, his sweetness, his gentleness, really, how could I ever be thankful enough to have such a husband? To be called by the names of tenderness, I have never yet heard used to me before, but bliss beyond belief. Oh, this was the happiest day of my life. Nine months later, she gave birth to her namesake, Princess Victoria. And then uh, it goes on uh, to say that the royal couple had been married 21 years when Prince Albert contracted typhoid fever and died. Victoria entered a period of profound grief from which she would never recover. She had Albert's room turned into a shrine. Every day for the rest of her life, she had the linens on Albert's bed changed, his clothes laid out, and a basin of water poured for his morning shave. She even slept with Albert's nightshirt in her arms. And it goes on to say that Queen Victoria actually stopped living the day that Albert had died, that she made a willful decision to stop living. That, that just years before, she was so uh, enthroned in gratitude and happiness and bliss, and this devastated her to the point where she couldn't move on, that she wasn't willing to embrace the grace to move on. And because of it, her whole kingdom suffered. I have a family member, and we, uh, we 
experienced a lot of loss in November's. Um, my grandmother passed away in November, and my mother died in November, and then my sister died in November. And so in the natural, November is a not a fun month, uh, if, you, if you think of it in that way. And I have a family member who just willfully decides that in November, they are going to be depressed because all of these things happened in November. And uh, I had a conversation just again with this family member, and um, they were sitting at my kitchen island, and, and I was like, well, uh, you know, how's everything going? And, and we had just finished the wedding. It was an amazing week. And, and um, this person was like, ah, well, not so good. And I was like, why? And, and, and they said, it's November. It's November. And, and I was like, oh, now it sounds like I'm not compassionate, but this is the drill sergeant side of me, right, that, that wants to see everyone walking in victory in God's best. So if I'm ever mean to you, it's just because I want to see you winning in life. Um, and, and so it was a time where I gave them a, a little kick in the butt, and I was like, you know what, you need to stop this. I was like, you're deciding, you are willfully deciding to earmark November as a bad month every, every year that you're forfeiting a whole month where you're going to go into depression. That like Queen Victoria just decided that I am like checking out of life because I am upset about a past season. That I'm trying to hold on to something that there's not grace for. That you're actually taking yourself out of a place of grace when you willfully decide not to operate in the gratitude of today. And so I said, you have to stop doing this. I said, I, I could very much do the same thing. I lost all these people too. I could, I could go up in my room and shut the door and shut the blinds and just stay in bed for the whole month of November. I said, would that be fair to my children? And they said, no. And I said, no, it wouldn't. It, it, you, know, it, you would want to shake me out of it. And I said, you have to stop doing this. Because out of 12 months of the year, why are you giving away one whole month when you could be experiencing uh, the, the blessings of the people around you in the now? I said, furthermore, November is a month of gratitude. I said, so instead of counting your losses, start counting your blessings. And the enemy wants us to do that. He wants us to take a tally of all of our losses. He wants us to keep an account of all of the things that we wish were, that we were holding on to all of those things, that wishing that, that they were as they were. And I had to give myself the same pep talk, the same kick in the pants and say, you know what, you need to move on and embrace the next season. Like this was a great season when your son was at home. It's going to be even a better season in the next season. But, but your ability to step into that grace is directly connected with your gratitude. Are you counting your losses? Are you complaining? Are you staying in the realm of why, God, didn't this happen in my life? Why, you know, I wish it were still like that. My best season was behind me, and you're trying to cling and hold on, and God's saying, look, I never meant for you to hold on to that thing. It's past expiration date. Have you ever tried to drink something or eat something that's expired? As much as you want to eat it, it doesn't taste good and it's sour to your stomach. That's how things are that we try to hold on to, that there's no grace in it. That, that you're not going to experience the peace and the joy of God because you're outside of the grace that gratitude releases upon our lives. 
gratitude, giving thanks. Thank you, Lord, for what I do have. Thank you for the family that I do have. Do you know what? Instead of, instead of loss and grief and hardship making me uh, resent the season that I'm in, it actually propels me to further gratitude because I know that this is just a season, that things will not always be that this way. And not that, not that that should make us sad. That should make us appreciate and, and lean in and enjoy the blessings that are around us. And so whatever you're facing today, I would challenge you, don't let whatever it is overstay its welcome. There might be some mindsets. There might be some things that you just can't get over from your past that you're still trying to cling on to. Maybe it's an old relationship. Maybe it's an old friendship. Maybe it's an old version of you that you try to hold on to and bring that thing back to life again, and, and, and you're still mourning that season of your life. How many of you have ever been around an old football player or an old wrestler or that all they talk about is their glory days back in 1984? Well, some Christians are like that. Well, back in the 90s, like, you should have seen, you should have seen how God was moving in my life. You should have seen how God was using me. No, the Bible says the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter, that your best days are ahead of you. It's us. We're the ones that keep ourselves stuck in the past. We keep ourselves stuck from moving forward in everything that God has for us to do and accomplish. That, that because we're so stuck, we never enjoy the blessings that, that God has in store for us. And so start making that your declaration. That, Lord, I embrace the grace that's available for every new season of my life. And as good as things were, I believe you that you're only going to make things get better and better. That it's going to be a progressive work. How many of you were in church on Wednesday? A progressive work of the miracles that I see in my life. Don't get stuck. What it does is, you know, if I would have stayed in that place where I got stuck, I would have just been become like that family member. I didn't want to be around that family member. I was like, look, if you're going to be like this all November, just don't come around me. I was like, I just can't. I was like, you know, you're, you're making a decision to act like this, and I'm not going to have it, and, and they snapped out of it, and this person's really close to me, so I could talk to them that way, and you're like, I am not signing up for COF2, thank you very much, <laughs> but, but you know, if, if I wasn't careful, I would have projected that on, like, my son, right, uh, I, well, when are you coming home, uh, call your mom, did you miss me, like, you know, no, people don't want to be around people like that that are trying to hold on, clingy people uh, repel people, right, uh, so you have to let go, and you have to trust God. Trust him with this next season. Trust him that the best is ahead. Trust him that it's okay to let go because he has greater blessings ahead for you. Amen? Amen. Grace and letting go. Grace of letting that thing be released from your life. Another thing that grace does is grace allows you then to take hold of the good things of what's next, to take hold of. So as you let go, if you're holding on to that thing, you can't receive what God has next for you. And it lets you take hold of what's next in your life. And it really does that through shifting our perspective, having proper perspective through gratitude and grace. You know, think about the, the different perspectives that we can have. Um, you know, we can have a perspective 
that everything is horrible in our life. I could tell you the same story about my life. And, and for one view, you would be like, she has the worst life that I have ever heard of. Like, in fact, I don't even like to share stories of loss because uh, you might get a perspective that I, that I have a bad life. I have an amazing life. Uh, but, but it's because I've chosen the perspective of which the scope of my life is projected, the lens of which my life comes through. And so when you live in, a, in the grace of gratitude, it gives you a perspective shift to your life. You start to understand that by the grace of God, what does Paul say in 2 Corinthians? He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he said, and this grace will not be put to waste. Or another version says, this grace will not be in vain. That means that the, the grace that he gives me, the empowering grace, so not only the mercy and grace that saved me, but now the empowering grace to continue to become is something that I have the, the ability to control. And, you know, it's not that, that we are good in and of ourselves. It's that Jesus Christ provided a way of victory so that nothing can hinder the plan of God in your life except for you. And oftentimes, we sabotage ourselves, that we allow ourselves to see things from a perspective not of gratitude, but we see ourselves uh, in a perspective of woe is me. My life is so horrible. Uh, you know, my, my marriage is so horrible. If my husband were only like so-and-so's, if my kids uh, didn't have, uh, you know, so many behavioral issues, then my life would be easy. If, if I had more money, then I could go on vacation. Let me just tell you, don't be the kind of woman that you let outside circumstances change your praise and gratitude. Don't be a, a worldly-influenced Christian in the sense of that we let things of the world get little hooks in our heart and take us out of gratitude and change our perspective. You know, what, what do we do when we're looking through Instagram and everybody's on vacation? And what is our natural thing to do? Complain, get upset, and say, my life isn't dot, dot, dot. And it takes us out of a place of gratitude, and then it, it distorts the grace that's upon you to continue to become everything that God has called you to become, the wife that God has called you to become, the mother God has called you to become, now is sabotaged by your poor thinking. That, that your thought processes will actually become self-fulfilling prophecies in your life. That whatever you tell yourself will actually become that which you live out. So be careful what you think about. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So are you going to go down a path of woe is me? Are you going to let yourself uh, be completely taken off uh, and, and put on pause because you can't get gratitude, right? Listen, somebody else always has it worse than you. And somebody always has it better than you. And you just need to decide that you're going to be content right where you're at. That there is part of the grace that's uh, dispersed in gratitude is supernatural joy and peace in your life. Then whenever you take yourself, whenever you shut the nozzle off of gratitude and you say, you know what, I'm going to let myself hear these narratives. I'm going to let myself become a victim in my own story. Do you know that you can redefine 
the main character of your story. You are the writer with God of your story. When I was little, I used to love the fiction books. I don't know if, you still, uh, if they still make them, where you could choose how the story went. Do you remember those books? It would be like, turn to page 40 if you want this to happen to the main character. You know, and, and you could determine the way the story went. Well, God wants you to understand that you have control over your own story. That you don't have to let the main character, which is you, continue to be the victim of the story. That, yeah, life happens to you. Yeah, stuff happens. There's stuff in my life that I would have changed if I could change it. Uh, Growing up, I remember, you know, thinking, man, if if I would have just had different parents. Did anyone have that story, that that thought as a teenager? Like, um, I was like, man, like... Uh, the vision that I have, even is like a 12-year-old girl, doesn't line up with like the vision of my household. Like my, both of my parents were hardworking parents, and some things you can only appreciate now in hindsight, uh, which is 2020. But they were hardworking, and and in my head, I just wanted like a stay-at-home mom that was young and 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 relevant. And my poor mom, they had me when I was when they were older, and um, she was just tired. She was just tired. Uh, all 99 pounds of her worked in a factory from 7 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon. She would come home, cook and clean, and fall asleep on the couch. And, and I remember thinking, you know, if, if I just had a mom like, that would just read to me or spend time with me or play with me, uh, then I wouldn't be so lonely. And, I wouldn't, and, and, and we start to give ourselves all of these excuses because of the narrative that we believe, Right? Uh, And and I remember thinking, man, if if my dad was just like a blue-collar worker and I'm embarrassed when he comes into my my school games, I'm just telling you, right, what a sinner, how horrible I was, like he was covered in grease. and, and, uh, And I kept thinking, if things were just different. I was raised by my grandma, and I, th- I kept thinking, you know, I, I, don't, I love my grandma, but I want my mom, and, and all of these things. And, you know, I could have let that really take me down a, a repeat cycle in my life where I just kept making excuses for bad decisions in my life, kept making dis- decisions based on what I did or didn't have according to the narrative of this character, this victim that we create in our own minds. And Uh, You know, you could dive deep into the story. Some of you have horrible stories and narratives that actually did happen to you. And you could very easily be labeled as the victim for the rest of your life. But through Jesus Christ, you now have the ability to change the story. And, you know, I I love what Paul said. It's in all circumstances. Paul could write that. Because in Philippians, uh, he talks about rejoicing always. He was writing that while he was in prison. In Thessalonia, they were going through intense persecution. If you think back into Acts 16, Paul and Silas were actually in chains giving thanks and singing praise unto God. That, that Paul was a firm believer in Romans chapter 8 when he said that all things work together for the glory of God. That he understood Ephesians 1 where it said God in his sovereignty, he positioned everything and predestined it to work together for the good of the plan that God has for your life. So we could either complain ourselves out of that and keep ourselves on pause in a victim mindset because of everything that life has dished to us. Or we could say, no, you know what, I'm going to let go of all of that and I'm going to take hold of what Christ did for me. 
I'm going to apply the cross and the covenant and the victory to my life. And what that does is it takes off the identities that life wants to adhere to me, and I'm adhering myself to the word of God. I'm adhering myself to who he says that I am and everything that he says now that I can be and do. That I, if I choose to let go, I can walk in wholeness and healing. If I choose to let go, I could take my story and see him change everything around for my good. Do you know that as I look back as an adult, there is not a better mother and father that could have prepared me for who God wanted me to be than they would have? If I would have had a young mom that was all up in my business, it would have annoyed me to death. I, I, I learned to be independent. I learned to be self-motivated, self-driven. That God actually knew what he was doing. Not that he ordains bad things. There's very hurtful things in my childhood that I don't think he wanted to happen. But he's sovereign, Ephesians 1, 11. He, he's, he's watching over it all, and he's saying, yeah, uh, you know, baby girl, I'm sorry that hurt you that way, but let, let me show you. You give it to me. You let go of that. You get rid of that identity, and now I'm going to take it, and I'm going to use it all for the plan that I have for you, and it is a good plan, and there are good purposes ahead, but unless you start to walk in the realm of gratitude. See, I could look back now on the things that I hated and despised about my life. There was a season in Masterpiece where you know, I, I had baby upon baby, and I've shared this testimony, and I gained a lot of weight. I gained like 100 pounds with each of my babies, and, um, and I didn't lose it right away. I had big babies. At, I had a 9'7", a 10'5". Maddox was almost two feet long, almost 11 pounds. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, big babies. And so, so you know, I, there was a season I despised that version of me in that season, but now you know what? I look back with gratitude because God did a work in me in that season. And in fact, that's masterpiece. Most of it was birthed out of that season of my life years and years and years ago. I can look back with gratitude because I could see how God used all of those things for my good. And when we understand and we embrace what God has and we say, you know what? I'm choosing to identify myself with Christ. I'm, I'm choosing to embrace uh, who he has for me to be, not, not being labeled to who I was or who the enemy would want me to be. You know, the enemy loves to steal, kill, and destroy. And the Bible says uh, that the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. And in that particular verse, rich doesn't just mean monetarily. It means like, uh, like complete wholeness. He doesn't want you to be lacking in any area of your life. Adds no sorrow to it. And, and whenever we walk with God, we can have a lives that the enemy can't steal, kill, and destroy from. Because even as a Christian, when we choose to align ourselves with that old identity, with that old season, with that old person that we used to be, with that old hurt, with that old offense, then we're constantly giving the enemy access to our lives in that area. It's literally like holding a pause button to any progress that God wants to do in our lives. The, the, the gift and the grace that's in gratitude is a working grace. So as I let go of those things, as I give thanks, as I say, God, I thank you that that's not who I am anymore. I thank you that you 
brought me out of that season. I thank you that you use even the things in my life that were seemingly hurtful. I, I give you thanks because all I have is a hallelujah. Because I've seen how you've worked in my good, in my favor. I've seen how what I thought was bad at the time, how it was actually you going ahead of me and making a way and preparing things for me. And all I have is a hallelujah. When we start to do that, it's a working grace that takes you off of pause and starts to progress you in the plan that God has for your life. It's a grace to excel in all good things. So God's grace uh, and gratitude, it causes you to release some stuff and it causes you to take hold of some stuff. And say, God, thank you so much for today. You know, I love the psalm that says, uh, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a willful decision to embrace today, to embrace who you can be today. That if you screwed up every day in 2022 up until November 11th of this year, that, that starting right now, you could say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I am a new creation as of today. And, and I, it, I'm choosing to take the pen out of the enemy's hand. I'm trying to get out of my own head and not listen to my own narratives and self-sabotage and self-prophesy. But I'm going to now walk with God in the plan and what he says about my life. Amen. And some of us need to stop adhering and sticking ourselves to, to what we used to be. And we need to adhere ourselves to who God says that we can be. God is a name changer. He is a relabeler, a re-identifier. He took Abram and made him Abraham. He took Sarai and made her Sarah. He took Jacob and made him Israel. You know, start to, start to embrace what God has for you. Take all of the limits off. You know, our, our own mindsets put limits upon us. In Genesis 15, the Bible talks about how God was trying to, to tell Abraham who he wanted him to be. And, and Abraham's like, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. And God's like, no, you're, you're not. You're still thinking too small, Abram. Yeah, I need to take you outside of this tent so that you can understand the vastness of what I really, my, my plan really is for you. And he took him out and he said, if you can count the stars in the sky, then you would know how much I want to bless you, how good my plan is for your life. And even though it might seem confusing right now, even though you might, might think that, that it's not all going to work out, get on the page that I have for you and understand I want to bless you. And, and so, you know, we see that, that while Abraham and Sarah were, were focused on one child, trying to believe God for one child, that God wanted to birth nations in them, you know, Queen Victoria was so fixated on one loss that her entire kingdom and legacy was forfeited because of that. We need to let go and we need to hold on to some new things that God has in store for us. Amen? Amen. So God calls us to release through his grace and gratitude to hold on to some stuff. And God transforms through grace and gratitude. I want to read a scripture for you out of, out of Isaiah 61.3. The Amplified. It says that God wants to come to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion. Some of us refuse to be consoled. Have you ever tried to console a child that's refusing to be consoled? Like they're just like hysterical. And you're like, no, it's going to be okay. And, <laughs> and you just like want to shake them, like, snap out of it. Uh, uh, <laughs> We need to not, we need to, we need to be willing to let go so the Lord can console us. 
It says, he'll grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion, to give them an ornament, a garland of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of expressive praise. What do do we say? That it's not just an attitude of gratitude, which it is, but, but it's a working expressive praise at work in our lives instead of a heavy burden and a failing spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That there is a transformation that comes through gratitude. Gratitude is like this. Gratitude is like a filter in our lives. It's like a, isn't this cute colander, by the way? <laughs> Amazon.com, $12, you can get your, uh, gratitude is like a colander in our lives. That Anything in our life that doesn't appear to be good, anything that in our life that doesn't appear to be the way that we want it to be, anything that doesn't, uh, that appears to be ashes in our lives, when, when we take it through the filter of gratitude, it becomes beautiful. This becomes the filter where where ashes become beautiful when we stop in that place of gratitude and we give God thanks. It's like like the the oil press in the Old Testament. Have you ever seen an oil or an olive branch or an olive tree? We were just at the Bible Museum in D.C., and we were tagging along to a tour guide. We just kind of made our way. We looked like we were a part of the group. And, um, and he was telling us about um, the olive tree. And he said, we, my wife and I lived in Israel for a while. And he said, we had olive branches all over our backyard. And they would come and collect them. And they would take the, the branch of the olive tree, and they would, um, they would hit it so that the olives would come off. But they didn't hit it too hard because they didn't want to bruise any of the olives. He said, then they gently collected them, and they would put them in the press. And it would be a pressing. And that first press that they made on the olives, it produced the purest oil, the purest oil. And they would use uh, the oil from that, from everything, from health to anointing oil. To, to, in the Old Testament, they would do ceremonial things with that oil. Uh, but, but I want you to think about how... In the moments of our lives where we don't feel maybe like giving God thanks, when we don't feel like rejoicing, that we're like that olive branch. And did you know that, that the, uh, the word Gethsemane is the same word that's used for olive press? And when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right, it was in one of his, uh, right before he went to the cross, one of his most uh, heart-wrenching states where at one point he, he turned and he said to the disciples, like, I feel like I'm going to die. That's how deep the anguish is right now. And um, I love it because that, that sweet Jewish man who was giving us the tour, he, he said, uh, actually, as Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in proximity of the path that David, if you're familiar with uh, the story of David um, and, and King Saul, when David had to flee, he was, he was in the proximity that he could have fleed out of Jerusalem. He could have gotten out of there. But he chose to stay in the press for you and for I, that we could walk in the grace of God. And I think about that because there's times in our lives that we feel like we're in the press. And it doesn't look like there's anything that we want to give thanks for. Maybe it looks like, 
you know what, God, I'm not going to complain, but I'm not really going to give thanks. I'm just going to kind of go on robot mode, and I'm just going to go through the motions of life, and I'm going to go in and out, and, and I'll go to church, and I'll go home from church, and I'll read my Bible, but, you know, I'm not going to really crack a smile kind of thing. And God's saying, you know what, give me thanks. Because when you give me thanks in those moments, it's like that press, that beautiful oil, that offering is coming out of you. It's in those moments where I didn't, I didn't, my heart was broken at sometimes when I could raise up and say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You have been so good to me. I could either focus on what's not going right. I could focus on the pain or I could step back and say, Lord, I'm trusting you enough to take my hands off of this, to release it, to give it to you, to choose to trust that you have good things ahead of me. And in that moment of the pressing, that, that gratitude just comes through and it makes beauty for ashes. That's where the transformation occurs. It occurs through gratitude. That's why he said in all things, in all circumstances, in prison, I can take prison, I can take ashes being in prison. Uh, I didn't do anything wrong but preach the gospel, Paul could have been thinking. Here I am in prison. Through gratitude came beauty. Through gratitude came freedom. Through praise came freedom. Some of you today, you're still all chained up. And let me remind you, free is still our word for 2022. And God wants to release you into freedom through the art of giving thanks. When you give thanks, there's a grace that's going to hit your life that is going to cause you to live free like never before. There is a grace that's going to hit your life that's going to cause joy and peace to invade you like never before. Maybe you haven't been through something devastating. Maybe you just feel like you're in a funk. You need to get your eyes back on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and have fresh hope again that there are good things ahead. And as for me, that I am going to let gratitude constantly be flowing and active in my life. I love that because... Yes, we all have an attitude of gratitude, but I love this when it says that it's active. It's an active word that's released in our lives on a daily basis. Amen? Stand your feet tonight in this place. The worship team comes. I'm really believing that God wants to do a work in here of, of release, of freedom, of not carrying the same things that we used to carry. Some of you tonight need to let go of some stuff. You need to bury some things in your past. Some of you need to take hold of some new things. Some of you just need a, a swift kick in the behind from the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, I have been focusing on the wrong things. I need to get my gratitude back. I need, to, I need the grace of God on my life. I need what uh, he offers in joy and peace, and it'll only be released through living a life of thanks, of praise, of gratitude. And so tonight in this place, we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to pray. But before we come to the altars, I wanted to, to ask you a question. If you're in this place tonight and you say, you know what, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and I'm not talking about knowing him or going to a church service or being part of a denomination, if there's not a moment that you can remember that you said, Jesus, come into my heart, I need you. I want to give you the opportunity to do that tonight with every head bowed and every eye closed.
If you say, I need Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I need to start all over again. I need a reset button in my life. If that's you tonight, raise your hand up before the Lord. Anyone at all in this place? We're going to continue to pray tonight. If you say, you know what, any part of that message tonight spoke to me. I need to let some things go. I need to refocus. I need to, I need to walk in the grace that God has for me in this season. I need to stop being stubborn and just accept the fresh grace that's available to me. If that's you tonight, or maybe, maybe you're saying, you know what, there's some areas in my life that have been defining me for too long, that it, that I'm letting these things have a hold on me, that I'm living in a place of ashes, of mourning. And God wants, God wants to transform that tonight into joy and fresh peace and fresh praise. And if that's you tonight, any of those areas, I want to open up the altars, and I would love to pray for you in this place as the worship team begins to pray again. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Joey Miller Podcast today. I pray you were blessed by God's word. I pray that the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and ministering to you, that his grace is empowering you to be everything that you're called to be. Well, until next time, I'll see you on the Joey Miller Podcast.